If you're looking for some marketing wisdom from a leading CMO, look no further. You've done it. It's right here. You're about to listen to an episode of CMO Convo. Whether you're here for the first time or just can't get enough, this is the place to be for the big conversation of what it means to be a marketing leader. Gaston Torn, CMO of Appear here, is back with us and we're talking about brand's micro-level purpose, where we examine the importance of breaking down your brand's impact to its individual components. So stay tuned for plenty on the power of individual stories, the importance of staying connected with your actual customers, and why you might want to throw all your customer personas in the trash. Hi, Gaston. Welcome back to CMO Convo. How are you doing today? Very good. Nice to see you again, Will. I think it's the third time that we stick, so hopefully it's yeah. Third. Okay. Yeah, third time. Third time's the charm. That's what they say. But I mean, I, I thoroughly enjoyed our last two conversations for sure. And I know our audiences really appreciate them as well, Gaston. So it's an absolute pleasure to have you back on the show, particularly something, particularly when we're talking about a subject that is going to be very, very interesting. So I think it's, it sort of examines brands from a perspective that we don't really talk about a lot. And that's talking about sort of like the micro level brand purpose, talking about like those individual human stories and how they relate to your brand rather than thinking about ideal customer personas, which we talked about on previous uh, episodes. And we know you're not a fan of that. So I'm, I'm looking forward to digging into um, how you're how you're tackling the uh, the trend towards personas and stuff like that. Um, but before we do get into that, I know you've been on the show before, so we don't need to do too much of an introduction, but I thought it'd be good to talk about um, a recent development, and that's you being involved as a CMO Alliance ambassador. So it'd be good to talk about why you wanted to be a part of the community and why you think it's important to be an ambassador for the community. Yeah, I think it's it's because I, I really, really enjoy my role as a CMO. And I think it's important that as a community of CMOs, we are together sharing the pains, but also sharing how we can really elevate the impact that we have um, across different companies. I think the CMO role is the most fun role in the C-suite. I think, uh, of course, I'm biased, but it's, it's definitely a lot of fun. You can contribute like from so many different angles where like other franchises are just like, focused on the analytical side of the business or only the creative side of the business. I think marketing has probably the privilege of like touching both on analytical and creative uh, matters within the business. At the same time, it's the function that really drives growth for the business. So all eyes are in marketing, but at the same time, of course, that means that sometimes there's so much pressure uh, that some CMOs are not able to really explain their impact or succeed in their roles. In fact, I think like the CMO role is the one that has the shortest tenure in the, in the C-suite. So I think having a community of CMOs and being an ambassador that I can help others um, in, in these roles to succeed and, and elevate, I think, like, you know, the, the role that a CMO has in a company and increase our impact as an industry is something that I feel really passionate about and hopefully I will be able to do as an ambassador. Excellent, excellent. They have, they've summed up perfectly what we're trying to do with the community, and you've summed up perfectly what being an ambassador is all about, uh, all about as part of the uh, the CMO Alliance. And it's it's hopefully with our conversation today, we're going to continue to help other CMOs and other marketing leaders uh, really achieve. Because as I said, it's it's looking at brands from a perspective that we don't often think about. We often think of brands as being this big overarching thing which of course it is i mean it, it governs everything about business how it interacts with your customers how it tells its story its voice but let's talk about what we mean by micro level brand purpose like what what is, what is that that meaning what is the definition that we're putting out today yeah so i think this is, this is something that i have been working on from a thought leadership almost perspective like 
what does a brand marketing team do and how are they able to increase their impact in, in a company? And as you probably know, I'm, I'm quite passionate about storytelling. Um, and I have always followed, like, particularly this principle on storytelling from, from Hemingway. But I think it's not just Hemingway. I think every single writer would recommend you never talk about general things. Always try to bring it to the concrete. Like if you talk about like a man who is sad, like that doesn't bring any emotion. But if you talk about this incredible um, salesman who was like, you know, traveling from this part of the country to this other part of the country and suddenly like he missed X, Y, Z. And like you actually bring it to like the micro level of all the details of like, you know, that journey. That's when actually you can start relating to it as a human being. Because the way that our emotional side of the brain works is that it very much connects with details. It doesn't connect with like abstract ideas. In fact, there's a lot of neuroscientific like research around how much we struggle to really understand numbers. Um, although, of course, you know, some people are better at math than others, in general, the human brain struggles to really understand number because it's an abstract concept. So I think, of course, it's really important that, you know, we communicate impact when we communicate, for example, like in B2B marketing stats or uh, numbers, but at the same time, bringing stories to the micro level, what it does is make sure that it activates the emotional side of your brain. And I think particularly in brand marketing, one thing that I notice quite a lot in different companies I work for is that most brand marketing teams start with very grandiose kind of statements, right? I think the worst example is probably WeWork. If you look at like the grand purpose, it's like something like elevating the world's consciousness. <laughs> you're, re- you're literally renting workspaces. Like I think there's a bit of a stretch saying like that you're elevating the world's consciousness. Um, but well, we already know what happened with WeWork. <laughs> I feel like um, what you really need to think about is what's your brand purpose? Make sure that it's still connected to your product because if not, it feels inauthentic. But at the same time, you don't need to communicate it in grandiose statements. Nobody buys into an abstract, really wishy-washy statement. The best way to make people understand what you do as a brand is tell that impact, that purpose, on a very micro level. Tell me one brand that has been impacted by your purpose. So I think that's what I call like micro-branding or like really, really starting to see how your brand has purpose for one human being. Because when we are at that micro level, when we're talking about one human being, I can connect to that. It, it puts things in perspective, having that that individual to relate to, to be like the face of what you're trying to say, basically with um, how you're helping them out. Like if you're thinking about in terms of like, oh, we've helped a million people do such and such, like, I mean, it's a quote that we talked about when we were um, talking about the the concept of this episode, like a million is a statistic and one death is a tragedy. And even though that's quite a morbid way of thinking about it, it applies with how we relate to people, how we relate in terms of empathy, like having a human face to connect with makes it a lot easier to understand the troubles that people are going through and, and also enjoy their successes as well. Like if you're seeing someone go from misery to happiness, that's a lot more of an emotional journey to go on than saying oh we've helped a million people improve their such and such kind of thing so focusing on sort of the individual is that something that appear here seems to be doing very well like a lot of your messaging is about 
about highlighting um, the stories of the people that you've um, that your brand's helping out. Like, is that something that you've instigated as your time in this, as a CMO, or is it something that Appear has always had as uh, as part of like, sort of their brand messaging? Yes, it's something that I, I really started to um, lead on and implement when when I joined the company. I think I probably learned this um, when I was at Google. Um, so when I was at a company, like the, the mission and the purpose of Google um, probably is quite well known is organizing the world's information and make it universally accessible. Again, quite like a grandiose statement, like not as far as like elevating the world's consciousness, because definitely in Google delivers on that mission of organizing the world's information. So I think it's more connected to the actual product. But it's really, really hard to understand what that means. And I think what the brand team at Google started to do um, was really tell that mission on a micro level. So there was, for example, this story of a um, specific village in Africa that started to use Google to understand what's going to happen with the weather next week, the week after. And they started to harvest much better. Like They basically started to come much more economically uh, successful thanks to knowing what's the weather like like next week. So they started to plan um, based on that. So that story of a village in Africa tells me organizing the world's information and making it universally accessible much better than the statement. So it actually shows me how you're bringing that to life. Um, there was another story that was very beautiful from um, Google India. Um, they told this story of like two friends um, one who lived in Pakistan, the other one lived in uh, India. And when the whole uh, petition happened, how it impacted that friendship, but how they still managed to stay connected through different Google products, uh, and particularly how they managed to know about what was going on on each side um, through Google. And I feel like that's another interesting um, way of telling like how you're doing it, like how you're basically organizing the world's information and making it universally accessible in a concrete way with a story that you can connect to. Um, so that's where I probably learned this, like school. I think it was never really framed that way as like micro branding or micro storytelling at Google. I think it was done purely like on a very kind of like intuitive way, but I kind of like saw like that really works. Like that's something that I really want to bring to other brands that I work for. And particularly with Appear here, we have incredible customers. We have really, really interesting stories that I saw we were not telling, we were like really focused on our brand mission. Our brand mission has appeared here um, is really to enable anyone with an idea to find space to make it happen. So particularly what we want to do is democratize a high street. We really want to give everyone access to do their business on the high street. So I think the high street has been traditionally quite exclusive because it's quite expensive to launch there. At the same time, the landlords um, are the final decision makers, and they have sometimes a lot of prejudices about new businesses or certain kind of entrepreneurs. And they are like the gatekeepers that don't allow maybe entrepreneurs from diverse backgrounds to really launch their ideas in the high street. So as a business, that has always been our purpose. But we started to communicate it with very concrete cases. And I think one of the stories that we told quite recently that I love um, is from Steve. Um, who is one of our um, customers. His restaurant is open in South London. It's called Charlotte and Swing. So Steve is a fascinating story. Like he became homeless at the age of 16 in South London. Um, 
he learned how to cook using YouTube. So he was frustrated with the type of food that he was eating in hostels, and he realized that he was eating a lot of like junk food. So he had to decide to improve his diet through um, learning basically how to cook using YouTube. Then from there, he became the chef of a few different Michelin star restaurants. So he really worked his way up. But his dream was really to become the owner of his own restaurant. But that has always been like his dream. He was like, I really want to have my own restaurant. When he spoke to landlords, all of them said, like, you don't have enough money. Um, you don't have the credentials. We cannot give you um, the space. When he spoke to a peer here, our model enables that democratization of access because we make it super simple for people to just book a space. We don't ask too many questions. If you have a great idea, we will give you a chance. And that's, I think, what flexible retail allows, right? Like, it really allows you to, like, book it, see how it works. If it's working, you can extend the lease. If not, you can just, like, pull out. But um, he booked with us, and we really, really loved the idea. We gave him access to his space. He launched in South London, where he was living before. And I think it was such an emotional journey for him, like, to see actually being able to launch a restaurant um, in the same place that, you know, he was born and he was, um, you know, he was kind of like his whole story based in that part of London. Um, and the business is doing incredibly well. I actually spoke to Steve um, two or three weeks ago and he was like, oh my God, we have so many bookings. I'm thinking of expanding, like, do you guys have new places? Because uh, we have so many customers because actually people love it as well. Like, of course, when you have someone who's so passionate about food like him, people in the neighborhood are like, this place is amazing and they're all going there. So that's what I mean by telling stories at the micro level. You don't connect with the idea of giving anyone with an idea a space to make it happen, but you do connect with Steve, who actually is a person who brought that purpose to life better than anyone else. And then even as you were telling that story, then the focus was entirely on Steve and his journey. Appear here was just a part of that journey. It was helping him reach his dream. So still that focus, even though we were just talking about it on the on this podcast, that you were keeping the focus entirely on the customer, entirely on what they were able to achieve with you assisting them. It's not about a peer here. It's about the customer and what they're able to achieve with a peer here's help, which is a great way of thinking about how you tell customer journeys, how you tell these brand stories. Um, Because at the end of the day, people are going to connect more emotionally to a person than they are to a brand or a logo. Like they need that human face. And Steve is a great example of that. And I will definitely have to check out his restaurant next time I'm in South London, for sure. It sounds, it sounds awesome. Um, so this sounds great from a theoretical perspective. Um, but a lot of, as you said, a lot of brands start off with sort of like these grandiose messages. How can a CMO go about breaking things down to identify these sort of micro-level brand purposes? Like where should they start when they're developing this kind of concept? I think... One thing I learned uh, from different companies that work for, like, this is my third CMO role, is that you never spend too much time with customers. And I think, if anything, I would recommend anyone in a CMO role to spend more time with your customers, because that's where you're going to learn what kind of purpose you actually have um, as, a, as a company. I think what happens with a lot of marketing teams is, like, they get in this kind of like ivory tower that is like really like completely out of touch compared to, you know, maybe 
teams like the commercial team that tend to be a bit more close to the customer because they're interacting with customers every single day. I would say both product and marketing teams have this risk of becoming like too abstract and like a bit detached from the real customers. And I think my suggestion is like, if you're a CMO, spend the first 30, 60 days meeting at least one customer per week. Um, make it your purpose to get to know customers, real customers who benefit from your business. Um, ask them what you're doing well, what you're not doing well, what your business does for them. How are you actually helping them? How can you do like much more interesting, for example, like content for them? So really use those interactions to learn more about how they use your product. And I think that's going to give you incredible ideas. Um, not just for like brand marketing, but it's going to give you a lot of ideas for product marketing, for like, you know, how else you need to like improve um, your marketing mix. But also I think it builds your authority and it builds your confidence in like when you're like basically dealing with our stakeholders. Um, I think a lot of CMOs struggle to convince or influence other functions in the business. I would say everyone in any business, like influencing other teams, like stakeholder management is always complex. The best way to convince others is to use customer insights. Saying it's not my opinion. Look, I spoke to like five customers. Five customers are asking for this product feature. I'm pretty sure like it's something that we need to prioritize. This is one customer saying that if we don't implement this product feature, they might stop doing business with us. So all those customer insights really help you to build your influence within the business. But also, of course, it kind of like gives you the first type of like, I think insight into what's the purpose of like your brand? What is your brand doing um, for these customers? So you start from there and then of course you elevate it. I think brand has to be elevated. Um, brand is not the product. I think brand has to be one level up. So what I would always ask is like, why are we doing this? Why are we helping our customers in these ways? Like, what are we trying to do? And of course you find a middle ground. I think like going back to WeWork's example, I do think like, if you go like four or five wise, like from what they do, you can get into elevating the world's consciousness. Maybe like I would go down a few levels because I think that feels like maybe too far from like the product they offer, but it's kind of like getting to something that is elevated, but it's still within, I think, a certain level of um, just a certain level of like feeling rationality. Um, so it's a, you want to get emotional, but like to a point that doesn't feel like, you know, just a joke in a way. So I think like that's what I would do. Like almost starting from customer insights um, and then elevate it to a point that feels a bit more um, just like purpose-led and like a bit more like inspiring. But then from there, you do have the stories to back up that purpose. And you go back to those customers and you ask them, hey, would you mind um, if we tell your story? Uh, because we think it's fascinating. Yeah, and um, yeah, you don't want to elevate things too much because, yeah, as you said, things just become ridiculous and irrational. Like you, you go from pathos with your storytelling to bathos. If we're going to get into deep literature terms, just to explain to people who aren't familiar, pathos is sympathy. Bathos is when things get too ridiculous that you don't connect with the the emotions that are being displayed as part of the story. Um, and I'm sure there's a lot of people thinking about these customer interviews, thinking, oh, these would be a great time to start constructing some personas. Let's talk about personas and why we shouldn't be using personas, Gaston, because um, I know we've talked about this before, but let's talk about it again. Why are personas a bad thing when it comes to brand marketing? 
I think it's for the same reason that, you know, sometimes purpose statements can be just a bit like out of touch. I think like personas can be very abstract. And I think like, particularly they're like quite bad when they're just based on assumptions. I think personas sometimes can be a barrier to actually get to know your customers. So what I always recommend doing is just like, go and get to know your customers. And then don't have personas, like literally have whoever is your customer as a reference when you're building marketing communications. So in my case, whenever like we come up with an email, um, I always ask my team, like, what do you think Steve would say about this email? And Steve is not like a random persona. Steve is a customer that we all know because he launched a restaurant with us and we know him and we know uh, how he thinks. And like, it's just like much easier to relate to real customers. But also I think like the risk that personas sometimes have is like they become just quite flat. It's almost like, well, we assume that it's like just a middle-aged woman who um, is a mom. And then like, it, you kind of like start reinforcing all your stereotypes. And the more I know human beings, the more weird I think they are, all of them. Like, it's not that, you know, um, usually we operate in like the kind of like boxes that we assume human beings operate. Um, Trust me, like a lot of moms have like really wild dreams. Like they're not just like <laughs> how they're going to be, um, you know, I feel like all those stereotypes also communicate a bit like, I feel like some of like the social and cultural biases that we have as a society that we need to challenge uh, quite a lot, particularly I think gender, um, socioeconomic. Um, I think marketing teams, of course, like they fall into a lot of like, you know, those, those stereotypes. Um, so I've been mean, like, use, use more like customer interviews as a way to bridge the gap with customers. I think personas probably are going to just act as a blocker for you to really get to know who's on the other side. Plus you, you slip into the danger of, yeah, again, of just things not existing when you're creating a persona. But if you try and create like the average persona that person probably doesn't exist. That customer doesn't exist. Um, the Australian government did a study a few years ago where they tried to find the average Australian woman and they put together like oh, everything, like average height, number of kids, like where the family was originally from, hair color, religion, political leanings, all this stuff. And when they put it all together, it turned out that no one in Australia matched that profile. There wasn't a single woman in Australia who matched the average Australian woman. And I think it's the same when it comes to trying to think of your average customer. Like if you try and combine all these different people into one person, you're not getting a real person. You're getting, yeah, you're just getting an idea, an abstract concept of what a person is rather than the actual people that you should be connecting with. And that's your, your actual customers, as you said. So when you've developed these insights into like who your actual customers are and like how you're going to be sharing this kind of messaging is that something that just kept within the marketing department or is it something that you share out to other departments is it valuable to them to know about these insights that you're developing yes definitely i think it's relevant for everyone um i think it can also help you to build really strong relationships with the product team um so at the moment, for example, like the last two weeks, um, as a marketing team, we have been doing customer interviews. Um, we do this quite regularly. Uh, sometimes we do at a beer here, um, brand tours. It's almost like a safari that we go out, you know, around, around the city. Like our product is quite nice because our customers literally launch shops and stores um, in the city. So sometimes what we do is just like, we go around the city and we visit some of those customers. Um, but quite recently we have been doing a lot of interviews 
Um, and what we do is we share like insights that are relevant for other teams um, as a way of like actually really, really making sure that there's this perception of like marketing being the voice of the customer within the business. Being marketing is the voice of the customer within a business, but you're only going to be the voice of the customer if you actually speak to your customers. Um, so yes, as I mentioned, like we did these interviews and now what we're doing is like trying to identify two or three action points for every single team in the company. So for editorial, here are like two or three takeaways that I think you need to take into consideration. Uh, for product, quite regularly we're hearing like, this is not working. Have you considered this as part of your product roadmap? For commercial, like how you thought about X, Y, Z when you are interacting with customers. So it really helps you, I think, like to build your reputation as a team that is close to your customers, always thinking customer first. And it really helps, I think, like in general, like to make you the voice of the customer really in the business. Those brand tools sound very interesting. Like it wasn't even something that I'd even thought about when we were approaching this episode, but looking at these micro level brand purposes and actually seeing like the concrete evidence of the work that the company's doing, that's got to be a really good motivator for your team, like for them to be able to see like, because often when you're marketing, particularly in the digital marketing world, you don't really see the results of the work that you're putting out, the, the messaging that you're putting out. So actually taking people out to actually go and see the product of their work, basically, that's got to be a really strong motivator for your, for your team to actually like get them aligned and behind the brand message of appear here. Completely. I think it's it's something that motivates everyone, including myself. Um, but I would say you can do this in every business. I think um, sometimes we're like, oh, well, we because you know we're in a digital uh, first product, it must be quite hard. But I, I used to work in the 18 apps. I was CMO of uh, Bumble Group. That is, um, like at that point, it was called Badu Group. Um, it's a group of dating apps. Um, probably the most well-known dating app in the UK is, is um, Bumble, but the biggest uh, dating app in the group is called Badu. Um, and I think one thing that I always try to do is like connect my team and myself to like real couples who actually met uh, for the app and then understand like, you know, how did they interact with, with the app? Uh, some of them actually got married because, of, you know, they met on Bumble or Badoo. Um, and I think like those stories are super important. First of all, like to understand what you're actually doing, but then how you can do it much better. Um, so I think in every product, you can do it. And and if it's something that if it's a story that's inspiring your team, it's probably going to be a story that's going to inspire your customers as well. It's going to be if if your team's getting an emotional reaction to a customer story, that's a great story to tell to your audience. Surely, like it's a good way of like getting keeping that cycle going of thinking about like where is the emotion to be found in these stories? Actually, seeing where your team is actually getting emotional about stuff. Completely, and also it gives you really good ideas. Uh, I think one thing we learned a lot when I was in that role at, at the Dugamble is that a lot of people had very bad days um, when they actually met for the app. But that gave us an idea of like, maybe we should do a video series of like, what was you know, the worst date you had? Um, and I think like we did like really, really fun videos. It was particularly in Badu, Spain. Um, but it was like amazing. And I think it was an idea just like from talking to customers. I think like really understanding um, what kind of things like those customers were enjoying. Because what we found is that actually when they were talking about bad dates, they, did, they were not frustrated. It was, they were like really, really actually almost like interested in telling you like the worst state that they have. And I also found that with friends, like it's something that everyone does, right? Like when you meet with a friend, it's like, oh my God, like my worst day, like you can't believe what happened. So everyone is quite curious about like, what is a bad date? But I think like 
if you are just a marketing team, like strategizing how to produce content for a dating app, maybe it's not the first idea that would come up, you know, to mind. But just by talking to users, we actually understood that, you know, there was a lot of uh, potential uh, to tell those stories. And every story will be unique, but they'll be relatable as well. Like, as you say, everyone's had bad dates, but it, it probably applies as well for pretty much any business. Like your customers will probably have, they won't have the exact same issues, but they'll have similar issues. They'll have similar challenges. And being able to relate to the story that's being told is going to be a very, very powerful thing there. Um, so when it comes to actually telling these stories, like how should we look into telling these stories? Is it just going to be, like case studies, is it going to be video series? Like what, what are the best ways to be, go about telling these stories, these micro-level brand purpose stories? I think go back to perhaps the point you mentioned around like, what's the role of the brand in that story? I think the first thing that you really need to figure out is like, what's the narrative structure that you're going to use to tell those stories? I think the most important thing is really understanding that the brand and you as a founder or you as a, you know, employee in that company you're never the main character. You're never the protagonist of that story. And I know it hurts because we all have egos and particularly founders have really big egos, but you always need to remind um, your team and especially if you work in a founder-led business is you as a founder, you're not the main character. You're not the protagonist of this story. The main character, the protagonist of any story is the customer, is the user. I think I mentioned a few stories, right? Like one was that small village in Africa that really benefit from like knowing what was going on with the weather, thanks to Google. The main character is that small village, it's those users. I mentioned the story from Steve. Steve is one of our customers, it's his story. The brand in the narrative structure is always the ally. It's basically just, you know, that person that is helping to overcome any obstacle or overcome any challenge that that particular protagonist or that main character is facing. In any good story, there needs to be conflict. Um, this is something that I always um, okay for. It's like it's my biggest passion, I think, in storytelling, just telling people get more dramatic. Like don't tell flat stories. I think um, John Lecar always said like um, a cat sat on a mat is not a story. A cat sat on a dog's mat, that's a story. So my question always with stories is like who is the dog? Because if there is not a dog, there is not a story. So going back to Steve's story, he had to overcome a lot of obstacles. Of course, being homeless, it was really hard for him to learn how to cook. But then when he wanted to launch his own restaurant, he had to overcome a lot of obstacles. Like it was an industry, uh, particularly landlords who were very conservative and were not looking to give him a chance. All those obstacles need to be um, in your story. But I think what you do as a brand is you help that protagonist to help that main character to overcome that challenge. So main character, Steve, his obstacle, he cannot launch a restaurant because landlords are not willing to give him a chance. Appear here, what he does as an ally, we help him to overcome that challenge. That's usually the narrative structure to tell stories. Um, I think in a non-salesy and in an interesting way. Um, then the formats, I think, there is not like a recipe. I think it really depends on like who is your target audience. I think um, if you are trying to influence CIOs, I imagine like they're probably not on TikTok. They're going to be more uh, reading um, news. I don't know. Maybe actually they are on TikTok. Who could knows? Be, could uh, be, yeah. could be no stereotypes. Go and speak to your CIOs. I'm sure they might be on TikTok. Um, 
But yeah, it's really depending on your target audience. Um, in our case, we found that, for example, uh, video is quite important. Um, we found that a lot of our audience, um, of course, this is social, but then they also read content and they like as well guides and things that feel quite practical. Um, so I think it really depends on who you're trying to influence, like really make sure that you're developing content in the format that your audience is going to consume. And, that, and that's why those customer interviews are so important because you can identify the types of content they, they appreciate. You're not just seeing the data, you're not just seeing like engagement levels or Google Analytics stats, you're actually seeing, you're actually hearing exactly why a piece of content was helpful to them and why you should be doing more of that kind of thing, why certain things haven't been as helpful, even if they have clicked on an article, you don't know exactly how helpful that article has been until you actually speak to a customer. And then that becomes part of how you tell that story. So it all becomes a nice, a nice cycle, I suppose, like having this kind of system in place. Yes, completely. Awesome. Well, Gaston, once again, it's been an absolute pleasure speaking to you. Like, I thoroughly enjoy our conversations. And again, this has been another great one on a very, very interesting topic. Um, as I said, I've seen a lot of appear here's messaging. I recommend other people to go check it out. I, I think they do a fantastic job. Well, you and your team do a fantastic job in telling these human stories. And I look forward to seeing more of them and definitely will check out Steve's restaurant next time I'm in London. Thank you so much, Will. And thank you to our audience for listening. Um, as, I, as I said, I know uh, the audience really loves it when Gaston's on the show, so I'm sure you've enjoyed this episode. So we'll be back soon with some more CMO combos.